0: Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. In this episode, we're joined by Joe Oribin. He's currently a computer science student in NUIG. And although he's quite young, he has achieved many things already, particularly in the academic field. In this episode, we discuss his blueprint that led him to great academic success. Before I get into that, I would like to mention some of his achievements. He achieved 10 A's in the Junior Cert, 6 H1s and 1 H2 in the Leaving Cert. And just to provide some context, H1 is the highest grade he can receive for a single subject within the Leaving Cert. He has won several several scholarships, including the Nottman Scholarship the JP McManus All-Ireland Scholarship and also the NUIG Academic Achievement Scholarship. He was selected to take part in European Science Olympiad and was also the key figure in starting LocalCoder.io. And to top it all off, he received an internship after his first years of studies. In this episode, we talk about what his process is to achieve such results, some of the study techniques that he used in the past and how your mindset affects your learning. And without further ado let's get round to the episode. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dom. How's the crack? Crack is good. Crack is good. So I guess I'll kick off the podcast by asking you what's your background? Uh, who are you? What do you do? Well, um, what are you involved in?
1: Um, my name's Joe. I'm from Galway originally, but I'm living up in Dublin for the summer because I'm working as a data analytics intern in AIB. So I study computer science in NUI Galway, and that's kind of where I am to this point, finishing up now in how many days four? Mm, so yeah, yeah, that's basically me, that's my background.
0: That's cool. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast was because I found out that you achieved uh, very good results in your leaving cert. I didn't do too badly. (laughs) You didn't do too badly. And um, I wanted to know how you approached it, like what are your kind of techniques uh, in, you know, learning material. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask, like, what are you motivated by?
1: What am I motivated by? Well, the thing is as a person I tend to change my mind quite a bit. I never really know like where definitively I want to be at times. So I kind of view motivate like the reason I was so motivated in school was because I just want to have as many options open as possible. So that w- like I mean there was many points in school where I want to be a doctor. And I always kind of kept on the back burner. I was never one hundred percent sure if that wasn't the thing I wanted to do because I was kind of always afraid of you know the h that, so that was always kinda of a deterrent but and um, that's kind that's what motivated me to study like um in terms of life, well, I mean you know, to, I view money as kinda of a facilitator, you know. And I believe by doing a job that you love and that pays well, you create as many opportunities for yourself as you possibly can. Mm. So that's the reason for that.
0: Yeah, fair. And you also mentioned that you want to do um medic medicine yes. in college, and at the moment you're studying computer science in N U I G. So they're two different fields. And Completely. I'm curious to know what uh, drew you towards uh, medical or medicine in general.
1: Well, from an early age, I just was fascinated by all kinds of science, particularly mm. biology. I just adored it. And I mean, I'd read about diseases and microbiology and all that kind of stuff in my spare mm. time. So in, and as well as I was sick when I was younger as well, I had a uh, chronic asthma. I was always just really inspired by how the doctors were just fit to always, you know, bring me back to good health. Mm. You know? Yeah. So, um, that was the main reason why I was motivated to go for medicine for the the first while anyway. As well as that, people used to always kind of say, oh, Joe, you'll be a doctor yet and all of this kind of stuff. But, like, I don't know, perhaps it was just kind of other people saying it to me. I kind of felt expected to become Mm. a doctor. But anyway... We can see now that's not how things ended up working out.
0: And now you're currently studying computer science. I am So indeed. why did you choose computer science instead of medicine?
1: Well, as, like even though I was always very drawn to science and all of that when I was young, um, one thing I always was known to have an aptitude for was computers. I don't know why, but ever since, just from an early age, I was you know, naturally competent on computers. Mm. You know, I was always the fellow that people in my family had asked to help them set up their new phone or and as well as I was fascinated by the inner workings of computer because it was almost like magic, you know. Mm. You had all you could do so much on a computer and it was all taking place inside a tiny box that nobody really knew what was going on inside. So I was really motivated to kinda you know, break that down and see what was at work inside and understand the inner workings of a computer.
0: <clears throat> and then that led you to actually studying computer science.
1: Yeah, event- eventually. It's been a long road. <laughs> and do you regret
0: the choice? Um, do you regret that you didn't take the choice to study medicine? Not slightly. happy?
1: Not slightly, so I don't.
0: And what do you love the most about computer science?
1: Well, the one thing I love about it is there's so many different parts to it. So... I mean, you have data analysis. That's what we do now. Um, you have the software development aspect. You have the web development aspect. Like, I mean, there's enough in it to keep on learning. Like, you'll never know everything there is to know hmm. about computer science. Like, whether you're into it from the electricity side or, you know, if you're really high level and you want to get involved in, like, neural networks and all of that. And as well as that, computers are so pivotal now to every industry. No. You know? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I view it as a massive area of growth. And I think there's so many exciting things happening in computer science at the minute that it's a great time to be getting involved in the industry.
0: And what do you think, uh, what's happening in computer science that
1: fascinates you at the moment? Well, the main thing that, I mean, I just adore is artificial intelligence. I mean, I think we will reach a stage eventually where we can for example one area I was reading up about recently enough was you know content moderation and I mean you know there are so many people working in that field now at the minute and they're suffering severe post-traumatic stress disorder as a result and you know I think it's great that things like that we can hand off to AI I mean massive work has been done already in facilitating you know AI being able to recognize these groups and il- images and all of that and you know the fact that we can actually automate these unpleasant jobs it's great so
0: it is hmm. and yeah i think it's really cool like you know the way like in the future maybe you will just see autonomous cars you're driving around oh yeah there'll be no drivers like all that kind of stuff is really cool
1: well you know even something as like, stupid sounding as that app on your phone that can essentially coordinate an entire journey for you from Mm. like let's say now Sandyford in dublin to connemara and the way it can like in a matter of seconds figure out okay if you leave here now you can get this bus this bus this train that bus and whatever else and it'll sort it in seconds like i mean that's a manifestation of ai you know so i think things like that are the future isn't that Google Maps already though? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, I'm just saying oh, just, that. That's, okay, yeah, that I, I, see, know, I see, I see. Yeah. I find that re- like really interesting, you know? Hmm. And I think that's an area as well. There's going to be massive, because it's not perfect yet. Yeah. But that's an area where there's going to be massive development, oh, I think, in the next few years. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, like, I, like are, I, to be honest, I think the development of like robots going around the place that are sentient, that's a while off yet. Um, like I remember that quote from friends when Ross said oh you know you can live on forever as a machine um, that kind of crack that's not going to happen now in the next like 5 years not a chance but who says it won't happen in 40 or 50 you know mm. and
0: um, who will you inspire like well first of all when you finish a computer science, is that something you want to you, you're currently doing data analytics I am. And you're yeah you know you're doing that kind of stuff but once you finish college well just to give some context he's in first year and he's already in a <laughs> good internship uh doing data analytics and uh, stuff but uh, what i was going to say so when you finish computer science um, like do you see do you see yourself
1: going into artificial intelligence or where do you see yourself go well the plan at for the minutes is and um, so I've gotten a really good perspective now of what work as a data analyst, data engineer kind of involves. Mm-hmm. So I think now what I want to see is what a more software development role involves. So, you know, I mean, even though I'd love to go back to IB next summer, you know, maybe for third year, I might look into, you know, something in the likes of Microsoft or LinkedIn or something like that. Um, But for the minute, the intention is to go on and do a master's in artificial intelligence and you know maybe even pursue that to an even higher postgraduate level but yeah for, i mean in terms of a career i mean i don't know i mean if someone told me two years ago that i'd be studying computer science and working in a bank i never would have believed them i would have said no i'll be either a teacher or a doctor mm. you know so I mean, nobody really knows what the future is going to hold. So, yeah, that's so true. You probably noticed yourself, but like most of the jobs out there haven't been created. Well, like, exactly. Right now, so you I never mean, know. I mean, if you think 15 years ago, people were not sitting down doing podcasts. I mean, radio was out. But I do, Well, 15 years ago, okay, that's see, I'm stuck in the time work, But call it uh, 20, like 20 years ago, people wouldn't like people just didn't think oh you know like they didn't have the facilities to make podcasts you know and whereas this form of media now is almost overtaking the traditional media of tv and radio
0: oh yeah 100% yeah and like what the the cool thing about podcasts is because like you're in control like there's no there's no people telling you okay you need to produce this (coughs) this this way or that way you are in full control of your own production which i think is pretty cool
1: well exactly you have full creative license on what you're doing, whereas if you were working for some radio station doing some regular talk show, I mean, you'd have to be completely compliant with their all of their policies regarding what's controversial, what what words to use on air, what you can say. You know, like, there's a lot of almost censorship, and you know what, it's almost self-imposed censorship, whereas that's completely absent in the likes of podcasting and doing YouTube.
0: Hmm, yeah, 100%. And I'm just curious to know, who are you influenced by the most? Who am I
1: influenced by? Genuine, you look up to? The... Like, this is the thing. I draw inspiration from, like, a lot of sources, do you know? Like, I draw a lot of inspiration from people in my own life hmm. versus, you know, celebrities and thinkers and all of that kind of thing. Like, I, my parents are really inspirational, so they are. So they'd be the main source that I'd look up to for, you know... Like advice about life and what to do. You know, I try to follow in their footsteps.
0: Hmm. And what is it about your parents that inspires you?
1: Well, their like their work ethic is something else. Like my mother and father, just they work seven days a week, twenty four hours a day, like doing everything possible. And like it's all for their kids. So like, I mean, you know, I really value their altruism and just their dedication. You know. And, like, I think a lot of the time with, do you know, really well-known, like, a lot of people would say, oh, do you know, my number one inspiration is, like, Steve Jobs or Mm. somebody like that. But the thing is, I don't know Steve Jobs. I've never, I don't know what kind of person he is in his personal life. Whereas I know, like, what great people my parents are and how good they are to everybody around them. So, yeah, no, they're definitely my number one inspiration, so they are.
0: I think that's really cool, the way you look, you look to you, the people that you know for inspiration, rather than these all these celebrities and... Well, like, this is know. the
1: thing, I mean, people now who'd be mad into soccer and all of that, mm. like, they'd obviously look up to lights likes of Ronaldo or Messi. And, like, I mean, they have brilliant backstories, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're very inspirational. But the thing is, I don't know them. Like, I wouldn't know them to go out and have a coffee with, you know? So... No, I think in terms of deciding on role models for yourself, you really need to focus in on who... Well, like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a role model who you don't know, but for me anyway, I prefer to have somebody who I've met and I know their deal and what they've done.
0: Hmm. No,
1: 100%,
0: 100%. And I'm curious to know, where do you get your information? How do you keep up to date with the latest trends in AI, machine learning, data analytics, or just general information and news? How do you... Well,
1: Um, So, before I started work, I mean, I was mad into social media, right? But, to be honest, when you actually start working and, you know, you're living in a new place and all of that, I find you really become disconnected from social media. So, in that regard, I haven't been getting much information from social media recently. But, Wikipedia, I love Wikipedia, and I know Wikipedia has its haters out there and people who say, oh, there's no factual accuracy with it and all of this kind of stuff. But, uh, like, I mean, I think Wikipedia is one of the best sources of information out there.
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. And it's non-biased.
1: Like, for well, example, it's not I've biased been... I mean, you have you have thousands of people there who are reviewi- peer-reviewing every single edit that goes on Wikipedia. Now, it has this stereotype that, you know, anybody can go on and edit Wikipedia. But they've made massive strides in reducing the amount of people going on and just writing complete nonsense on it you know so yeah. no wikipedia i just literally love to go on to wikipedia and start on one article about something completely random and then end up someplace else you know
0: no yeah wikipedia is great and especially i, I recently discovered this myself there's like um if you type in wikipedia current events into google it will give you news like news in a flash basically it tells you like the top five news that are going on are yeah, going yeah. on around the world yeah. and then it also summarizes what happened each day Which I think is so cool, because, like, there's, you know, most of the time we we don't see news outside of Ireland or whatever. But, like, in Wikipedia, you see everything in the world that's going on, all the important
1: events. It's great for insights about countries such as South America, well, like, places such as South America and Africa and Asia. Because there are places now that would get very little coverage Mm -hmm. on... um, irish media like even youtube's another brilliant source of information like i mean you know i even last night i fell asleep to a video about the hong kong protests like which was fascinating so like that and that was something i wasn't even aware of you know Mm. and wouldn't have been made aware of it only for youtube so i think independent content is the way to go so it is because i mean You know, not to sound very cliche, but fake news is a massive problem. Yeah,
0: definitely is. And how do you think you combat
1: uh, fake news? Fake news is a tough one because we're living in an age of free speech. So I think the only way to combat fake news is to really research your sources and see the normal person, myself included, like, we all live very busy lives. We don't have time for researching, you know, get, you know citing our sources for every piece of information we know. Like, we're not writing up research papers for a college assignment or anything like that. But, you know, I think if you read something that sounds very out there and not very plausible, you're better off just verifying it before you go around sharing it on Facebook. Um, like what I see a lot is, and this drives me. Now I hate Facebook with a passion. I hate it, and I would delete my account only for the backlash I'd get from all of my friends ask, asking why I blocked them. But um, the right you often see now. No offense to older people, but it it's always the likes of my mother or my aunt or something like that, and you see these like chain posts share this if you don't want Facebook to own your data and share this to give notice to Russia that you don't want them taking over your account and stuff like that. I mean, you know, that's what you call fake news at its finest. Mm. Because, I mean, Facebook own all your data anyway, no matter what you write on your wall, you know? Yeah, and I also think there's no such thing as privacy anymore. Like, we're just moving into a world where,
0: like, you're you're going to be exposed, like, no matter what. Yeah, you can't you can,
1: you can, you, you can hide basically. No, we're living in a world of no secrets. Like, I mean your your like your photos, your web search history, and um, like your files, everything's just a click of an engineer away, you know? Like, I mean hacking now has become a massive problem. Like I mean, you know, cyber threats have become so advanced now the antivirus companies are just falling completely behind, you know? So I guess that relates back to the whole realm of computer science, like why there's such a demand for graduates in this day and age. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And you said that you hate Facebook with a passion. I do. Can you tell us why?
1: Well, I... Well, to be honest, I never really liked it growing up. I mean, it was one of them things I signed up for out of... Pure peer pressure, to be honest. Like, I mean, just everybody else had one, so I got one as well. And I always just could never see the point of it. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as that, like, the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal, I mean, that was just... That, anyway... You know, I lost all faith in Facebook as a company. Now, I really do hope I don't end up working for Facebook in three or four years because this is really going to come back and bite me in the ass. Zuck, I hope you're listening. <laughs> but um, no, like, no, Facebook, I just, and you know, I'm a, an absolute slave to Instagram, Like, and I hate being a slave to Instagram, but um, I prefer the platform to Facebook. I just find Facebook has become very dated. It's not suited to the needs of young people anymore. And I do believe Facebook is going to eventually go the way of Bebo and be no longer with us in Bebo. about Bebo. Haven't heard that name in a while, probably.
0: Well, I don't know. Facebook is still huge. Like, it's it's. Well, huge. it's still
1: huge. And I mean, it is growing in certain mark, like, you know, late adopting markets. Like, mm. I mean, Facebook owns WhatsApp. You know and um, instagram and instagram indeed so i mean the corporation itself facebook yeah it's becoming massive but um inst or facebook, the, actual, what, the, the actual actual social pl- media yeah the actual platform facebook i think it's lost so much credibility that eventually people will migrate to other forms of social media as has already happened I mean, Dom, you probably know this as well. Do you know many young people that it act, like, use Facebook as their primary... No, not no. at all. Like, they no.
0: used to, but now
1: it's just old yeah, people. Yeah, like, now when... old people using it. When, when I was, people. like, 14 or 15, yeah, I had a load of people on fucking Face, or, Excuse me, uh, Facebook Messenger, you know, and all of that. And you'd be sharing bits and pieces, and you'd be getting your 70 happy birthday wishes on your wall. Whereas now... I can't remember the last time I messaged someone on Facebook, you know? Hmm. Like, it's just, I don't actively use it. Do you not use
0: Facebook Messenger? Because that's that's my primary source of uh, messaging, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I use um, WhatsApp and Snapchat. WhatsApp, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of Snapchat. I'm addicted. So, what are your favourite social medias? We have Snapchat, we have Instagram, what else? It would be a tie between Snapchat and Instagram and... If it's really beginning to show the circle I'm kind of hanging around in over the summer, but I do like LinkedIn as well. Um, I think I like LinkedIn. You know, I, I just find LinkedIn more interesting than the other two. I mean, Instagram's just people posting pictures of themselves, you know, having a good time. And sure, I do that as well. And, you know, to a degree, there's a lot of falseness on Instagram. So there is, unfortunately. And look, everybody's guilty of it, I think. Um, whereas on LinkedIn, it's literally just everybody there is a professional, and you know everybody's just really interested in you know what's going on in other people's professional lives and all of that. So LinkedIn's great.
0: I also think that LinkedIn has become the next Facebook. I Would do you agree.
1: I do indeed. Now, at the,
0: like at the moment, well, maybe not the moment, but like like a year or whatever ago, like it used to be just you know purely business people. Mm. But now you see, like, you know, you see more people adding more connections. They're posting more. I feel like
1: it's going to be the next kind of Facebook. It'd be like a Facebook. No, I really do think that LinkedIn is on the up. Now, I think Ireland is a slow adopter of LinkedIn. I think in America, LinkedIn has become just, the growth has been exponential altogether. Mm. But um, in Ireland, it's just been a bit slow to catch on. But do you know what? Loads of people are on LinkedIn now. Like, I mean, I was shocked by the amount of people that actively use LinkedIn when I signed up for it. Like, I mean, I didn't have a LinkedIn account until I was required to make one by a college course I was doing. But um, the thing with it is, like, I mean, you have recruiters re- reaching out to you all the time. Like, oh, it's yeah. a nice it's a nice feeling, you know. There's a bit of uh, gratification that comes along with it.
0: Hmm.
1: And you mentioned uh, Cambridge
0: Analytica and the way Facebook, you know, they exposed everyone's data. Yeah. But maybe that was just, um, like, maybe that's a story that we all know. Maybe other companies do that too. They're exposing well, our information, but we don't necessarily know
1: about that. do you? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Well, like, I mean, you know, major search engines have more information about us than we have about ourselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can imagine that in the databases of major search engines that they can tell who's who likes you know if you're a vegan if you have a certain disease if you're you know what your favorite hobbies are i'm sure that there's ai implemented there that can literally break down someone's entire personality and probably you know has information about people that people don't really know about themselves you know like, about people's traits and what their likes are and dislikes. You know, it's all information that can be used and sold to third parties for marketing. You know? Hmm.
0: Um, I was going to say something, but I forgot what I was going to say. And um, Bad form. <laughs> I know, yeah. And um, what would you say is your most proud achievement so far?
1: Well, my most proud achievement had to have been the leave and cert like. I mean, and that might be sad, but... It, no, it really was. I mean... I wasn't expecting what I got in the Leaving Cert in the slightest. So, yeah, that was a really great moment, so it was.
0: And if you don't mind sharing, could you tell us what you got in the Leaving Cert? And that'd be a good segue to go into my yeah, next set no of bother. questions. So,
1: I got six H1s and a H2. Six H1s, and wow, okay, That's that's
0: pretty good. That's not too bad could have done better And <laughs> <laughs> now, which is the main reason why we'll i want to yeah. bring you on the podcast is um how did you achieve this so what is your approach <clears throat> how did you approach learning in school were you always the studious yeah could you describe the process of
1: your own uh learning well i mean from an early age i kind of i mean i know you know how people go through primary school and they're kind of told oh you're not a maths person you're very artsy or you know you're not really that academic, you're more sporty, or you're going to do stuff with your hands or all of that and all of that. I mean, I was always kinda of told from an early age, Oh yeah, you're clever at school and all of that. So I think in that regard I it gave me the confidence required to view myself in a light that, okay, I can study and I can do well at this. So um the way so like have I always been studious? I mean in first year See, so what kind of happened was, I didn't, re- like, nobody goes into secondary school and thinks about studying. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you literally just rock up there on the first day and you're like, oh, this is good crack, whatever. So, kind of, because I had that confidence, um, I was fit to do well in tests without doing a whole pile for the first while. And that way, I liked, Joe. You know, I liked getting good results. Now, I know there's a lot of people who don't give a crap. ...about numbers on a page and all of that... ...but no I really liked getting high results... ...and then you know as the pace picked up... ...it did require study to maintain that level... ...so that's kind of where the studious aspect of my personality came from... ...it was just that you know I liked getting results... ...and I'd start like I'd started off that way... ...I want to continue that way... ...so... Um, ...in terms of how I managed to get what I got... Um, i bro, like i've always kind of understood how my brain processes information from an early age so using that information i kind of broke it down subject by subject and i had different strategies for everything so i did and i think that's the key to doing well in any kind of exam really even college exams it's figuring out what strategy works best for you and where to apply it. Because I think that's where m- the majority of people trip up when they're doing things like the Leaving insert and college and all of that.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like, fi- Yeah, I agree with that. They should find what... Um what works for you like yeah. what what learning style works for you yeah. but i'm curious to know i, I want to dive into your strategies your specific strategies that you used yeah. like did you you know how did you block out a t- block out a certain amount of time to study did you use the pomodoro technique did you use the Feynman technique i want to know how you actually approach a studying
1: right so if you don't mind now, no bother oh or look no secrets here we're living in an age without secrets man <laughs> um so right now, I was very restricted on time because I used to work a fair few weekends and I... So, I went to a school that was 45 kilometres away from where I lived. I think it was 45. So, I'd have to leave the house at half seven in the morning and then I wouldn't be home until, like, 5.30. So, like, I didn't have a whole pile of time for doing this. So, every minute that I was dedicating to it, I knew I had to make a count. So... Um, The Pomodoro technique. Now, I did try that, but I always found that it was almost a distraction, if that makes sense. So, the main thing I did was, in terms of organisation, was, so, I I used to always write down my goals for the week, and then... I used to split it up into whatever days I wanted to do certain things. So I'd probably study about maybe two or three subjects a night. Like, I mean, certain things within those two or three subjects. And then what I do is I wouldn't set times on anything. I'd literally sit down and say, right, I need to get these three things done. I don't care if I'm here for an hour or I'm here till two o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get them done. And that was a, a, mot- like, that was a great motivator to not waste any time because you know the harder you worked in the short you know was the like immense less time studying you know because i think what happens to a lot of people is so they draw up these really colorful beautiful uh timetables right so they go like oh you know i'll do an hour of geography i'll do an hour of maths i'll do an hour of french and see they end up wasting half the time because they accomplished what they want to have accomplished in like no time at all like i mean if you want to learn how to write an essay in french you can do that in 20 minutes it's a great excuse then to spend the rest of the 40 minutes then doing jack shit until you move on to the next thing so that's basically how i did it and yeah just a
0: second that um like with the the way he said um you know people schedule one hour to do this subject one hour to do that subject now i wish i knew this earlier because i wasted so much time studying aimlessly mm-hmm. um but what i was going to say um there's a law called uh, parkinson's law and also the Pareto principle if you combine them together and um, i think it's you can achieve like very good results in a very short period of time now with the Pareto principle that is the 80 20 rule so 20 percent of um your work actually produces 80 percent results yeah i'd agree
1: with that so i would
0: and parkinson's law is work expands with the amount of time that you give it so for example if you have an assignment like many of us can actually relate to this let's just say you have an assignment and you have six weeks to do it and majority of us actually get it done in the last three days when it's due so if you initially gave yourself okay i'm gonna give myself only three days to do this assignment even though I have six weeks to do it, you can actually achieve that and get a very good result. And now if you combine that a lot, which is Parkinson's law and Pareto principle, so only picking out the important tasks that you need to do, I think you can be so productive with your time. But I want the, what, what I wanted to ask you is um, in relation to that, um, what about like how, how long did you study? Because you said you didn't, have, you didn't have a lot of time. Right, so I'm curious to no, know on average how much time did you study? How much time did you actually spend studying uh when you're when you like when you're leaving so and so on
1: right so now i don't really sleep that's kind of one of my things i don't really Really? sleep yeah no not really i know that's very bad and i probably look like someone who doesn't really sleep that much but um you look great, Joe. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that, Dom. Thank <laughs> you. Self-esteem going up through the roof. Um, So, at the start of Leaving Cert, I just... Now, I'm... I have a tendency for burnout. That is one thing I will say. So, I mean, I didn't go crazy at the start of Leaving Cert. I literally... So, I just kind of had my plan, and I'd do whatever. Like, I'd do whatever amount of hours. Is this sixth year needed. we're talking about when you sixth say... Started, oh, sixth yeah, year. Okay. This is sixth year. So... In like, so I think I worked up until like the October midterm and then I scaled it way back but on evenings and so I do like two hours two two to three hours in like we'll say September to December then in December I was like right we are fl- locking everything down the mocks are coming so the mocks are coming coming. (laughs) yeah i know i haven't even said the word mock in flipping a year well it's only been a year (laughs) um but yeah the mocks were coming so i went like i mean i battened down the hatches i was doing about four hours a night towards like after the christmas tests and then of course like i mean i spent my days over the christmas holiday studying so i did Mm. now with that being said like i never turned down a night out either you know you have to enjoy yourself as well because your state of mind is so important when doing the leaving cert now i'm not saying go to the local every night of the week but um i am a firm believer in not sacrificing you know your happiness over a set of exams because that's not worth it yeah exactly well i'm
0: gonna go study off point but i think like more you know there's so much pressure with uh the exams and uh leaving certain general mm-hmm. to achieve such good results yeah and then when you really break it down okay why do you want to achieve these results you want to you want to achieve good points because you want to go into a certain college mm-hmm. and then why do you want to go to college you want to go to college because you want to get a certain job well yeah. most of us do but then when you think about it what happens if jobs stop requiring uh to have a degree for example like many many multinational companies like google facebook they're actually they're not that keen on cvs and uh what no not, not cvs and um, they're not that keen on um, your actual college degree all they care about is um your actual levels of proficiency of what you do so what if a lot of companies start requiring degrees and then there's going to be a lot less
1: pressure to achieve such results well oh you know that's a that really great point so this because I mean, even if you look at the bank that we are part of at the minute, like, not many people have, you know, they wouldn't have done their bachelors in data analytics. Not. Mm. I mean, I, in fact, I think, Well, out of all that I personally know, like, it's just myself and yourself. I yeah. mean, the majority of people come from such like a real variety physics, of backgrounds Ecology, there's physics now they classical all classical studies yeah even. classical studies apparently there's someone who does cla- I don't I haven't met them but apparently they're in it like you come across people with economics degrees i mean there's a fellow in contact with half a veterinary degree you know like you come across so uh, like it's just such a different variety of backgrounds but um where were we now with that? I'm after forget what was the point I was trying to make there. And um, you're on about yeah, degrees so pressure in terms of the leaving cert. Um now I know me I was always really lucky in that. I was always I always had a great state of mental health. Like I mean I never really let things get me down. I mean I always tried to have as positive an outlook as possible. Now in terms of pressure I did feel a lot of pressure and it was pressure that I put on myself because, see, I got a decent junior cert as well, and then everybody was kind of like, oh, you'll get the 600 points, and, like, I did not, I did not believe for two seconds that I'd get that, I didn't believe it for a second, and um, everybody was kind of saying, oh, you'll get this, you'll get that, but um, it was kind it was always a pressure I put on myself, I always felt, like, almost expected to do well, so... Um like i do believe there is massive pressure there and it comes from sources that aren't intending to put pressure on people and you know if you're not in a good st- like i mean there's so many like it's a massive problem now mental health so it is i mean you know and yeah. like i mean if you know you're at such a disadvantage if you're not in that state of mind which many young people aren't you know you have to remember that so yeah i like the way you
0: mentioned mental health because i like well mental health and its relation to learning which is um the theme of this episode i guess um i think like when you're in a bad mental state altogether it's very hard for you to absorb information and, and actually learn so if you're like anxious about something if you're worrying about something it's gonna be much more difficult for you to achieve good results and a lot a lot of times we think that, um, oh, this person isn't just isn't smart. But you never know what's going on. Be so, be no, like you never do. Head. So you can never assume, like... You, this was This was something I was thinking about today. You can never assume what's going on in someone's head. You can't just, oh, that, that guy is um, not smart. He can't study very well. Maybe there's some, like, you know, maybe he's thinking about something. Well, maybe she's thinking about something. Maybe there's, like, some sort of worry. Well, and it's causing them, you know, they can't absorb information as well.
1: Well, I know in the majority of cases of now this is just in my own experience but people who tend to say school isn't for me there tends to be other underlying reasons there as to why their their focus isn't fully on school or they either you know another aspect of it as well is the whole some people don't want to be you know there's this desire to be a hard, a hard lad like you know as well in a lot of sick or Fit in with lads yeah yeah like yeah. there's that and you know they don't want to be seen to be a studier or to be a worker now i couldn't really give a rat's ass like i mean you know that's basically like that's just me i like results and i like to do stuff but um no like in relation to the whole mental health angle on it in nearly all the cases i've ever dealt with there's always been either someone has been Bullied, or they're insecure, or there's something going on in the family, and they just can't see. They don't actually have the capacity to focus on school. See, I was lucky in that I didn't really have like, well, I don't really have any mental health issues. And um, like, I mean, my family's great, so I wasn't bullied either, so there wasn't a whole pile of detracting away from focusing on you know doing my best in school. But whereas a lot of people wouldn't be so fortunate. So that's why the leave and serve really isn't a great indicator of somebody's intelligence or their, you know, their ability for success.
0: I'm actually so glad you brought that up because yeah. I, I hate when people say, oh, that guy achieved. Like, I'm not, you're you're a yeah. very smart guy. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But I just want to say that, well, you know, like a lot of times we think like if this person achieved over x amount of points that guy's smart if you below if you achieve below x amount of points yeah. you're not smart i think that's a such a absurd way of putting things because like you never like i said before you never know what's
1: going on so, in someone's head yeah. like you you had good circumstances yeah and you i know. had great yeah. circumstances exactly. you know like i mean i didn't really have to deal with the adversity that you know i mean you see well i mean i even saw it in secondary school now i went to a great well, like, I mean, there was no bullying going on, mo- well, not much anyway, like, I mean, it was a small school in the west of Ireland, whereas, you know, you hear, you read and just see these horror stories about people, you know, getting just horrific bullying, um, you know, horrific family circumstances, I mean, you know, what kind of chance does somebody have when they're, they have four, or like, multiple, you know, siblings that they're the parent of, their parents are, you know, Involved in crime or something. What kind of chance does that person have? And you know, if they get three hundred points and se- or like or two fifty points, it's a brilliant achievement because they've had to put up with so much more than somebody in, like, let's say, some random privileged area of Dublin who got grinds and tutors and private lessons and all of that crack throughout their career. Like, I mean, it's you can't compare them. You just can't. So. Yeah, no that that is hundred percent. I'm I'm
0: glad someone who's who was successful in the in because school, there, there that
1: there is an that like there is a tendency amongst people who the system works for. And I mean, I'm a person who the system worked for. You know, I'm not going to deny that. But there is a tendency amongst people there to kind of look down on people who you know couldn't achieve. Now, like, I mean, there and you know, then again, there are examples of people who you know had everything handed on a plate to them and they just don't want to work and they have no more so but you know in general i like to really look at the bigger picture of people and you know see their the entirety of their circumstances
0: no i think that's such a good perspective to have such a good perspective and like yeah like i hate the way like you know when they think that you get you get you go to school you go to college and you get to go to job and that's it like that's all you're learning done but i think that's such a such a bad way of thinking about it. like learning is should be a lifetime thing and i think developing that eagerness to learn like whatever that may be like reading articles reading comic books whatever you're into but like just an eagerness to learn i think that's crucial to have especially in this day and age the information age because like there's so much information out there
1: We're like the, well we're the at such an advantage yeah, exactly, in comparison exactly, yeah. to the people who came before us but you know with that You know, it's a double edged sword because I think we are even though we have so much information at our hands, I really do believe that our generation is one of the most ignorant that there ever has been, you know? Because I think there's a great tendency to literally think, Oh, I can Google that. I don't actually need to retain this information, you know? So it's a double edged sword. I mean, unless you actually have that eagerness to keep on learning stuff but like i mean a lot of people don't see the point of learning now like that's all fine and good i mean you know different courses for different horses but you know i just think it's so important to have a generalized knowledge of the world because you know it allows you to understand things from other people's points of view you know mm. yeah i'm glad the way you mentioned uh, you can google so i was thinking
0: about this the other day and yes, you can you can Google all the information you want, but that's only gonna give you fact. Um I think what's important for us is to like you you no longer need to remember facts, I don't think, because you can just Google information, yeah. whatever. Well uh, no, unless there's you're doing no test- well
1: do you know what? There really never was a function of remembering that oh i don't know world well war maybe phone II. numbers well, phone no, numbers back in the day you yeah know, but like... like but there never really was much point in knowing that world yeah, war Two yeah. ended in 1945 like i mean and that's a ma- And job you know, we'll get to this later but i want to talk about rote learning as well at some point because i just think you know that's such a massive part of school you know it needs to be talked about
0: yeah well, going back on my previous point uh, with the inf- Google and retaining information, I think what's important now is just to be able to comprehend and understand difficult concepts or just mm. concepts in general, not just to remember these facts. Because, like, when you think about it, like most of the stuff like you learn in school, you probably just forget a, a week later. It's all just cram, 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 cram. But if you have an ability to understand and comprehend actual concepts. I think that's going to help you so much, and then you can link. You can this is called meta learning, I think. Yeah, meta learning. Then you yeah. can link like, okay, I learned this. This is similar to this, and you can kind of join different dots together, well, and you can
1: retain information much better. Well, you know, like, I mean, in terms of the science of the brain, I mean, look, the brain is composed of loads of neurons that are all connected to each other, like you know. So, um it's a very natural way to look at learning, but um that you know that just brings me back to the point where you know computer science i think is very much like that because once you yeah. once you understand a concept like i'm just going to use object oriented programming as an example like once you understand you just provide some
0: context as yeah. to what object like very simple uh, yeah
1: example so, maybe like nor so in some languages you know you just comprise a list of instructions right and the computer just follows each instruction line after line and um, in an object-oriented program it's more focused on objects that try so you create objects in the computer I- interface that you know resemble their equivalent in the real world Is that a good explanation I, I always find it very hard to convey what object-oriented programming is yeah yeah no yeah. that's that's yeah. a good explanation well yeah like, it's it's a fairly complex concept, like, I mean, there's so many different parts to it, you know, classes, abstract classes, interfaces, all of that, but once you spend time understanding that concept in one language, that's it, you can apply it to every other one, you know, like, once you learn about object-oriented programming in the likes of Java, you have it for Python, you have it for what's another one like javascript even has capacity for oop so you know oop is object only programming for those who don't know (laughs) (laughs) sorry we were we're mad for the abbreviations in the bank so we are let's keep it simple let's keep it simple um but yeah so you know like it's it's really valuable to spend time you know trying to decipher complex high level concepts because you know they're transferable like, you can, you can try, you know, even something like, did you do biology for the Leaving Cert? I did. Photosynthesis, right? Mm. Like, I mean, I think about photosynthesis all of the time when I'm doing algorithms, you know? Because okay. that was the first, but photosynthesis was the first algorithm I'd ever. Yeah. Uh, photosynthesis was the first algorithm I ever encountered. Yeah. You know? So, no, I think concepts are very... Transferable, so they are.
0: No, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I agree with that. And you mentioned that you want to talk about uh, rote learning. Yeah. So what is that? And boy, is that just like
1: cramming information? Yeah. That, well, that's literally sitting down and learning off sentence, like sentences and essays, word for word. Right. Can you can you tell us uh, some of the thoughts? Why did you want to talk about it? Like, do you hate it? Do you think it's good? Well, no, I'll tell you, me and Road Learning have a very um, complex relationship, so we do. Because it's something I can do really well, but, like, I think it's so flippin' pointless, you know? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I could learn off, like, well, I I mean, for geography, for the Leaving Cert, anybody who's doing it knows that there's 120 plus essays that you need to learn off, like, and, you know learning that off word for word walk. who is actually going to pay you for your ability to learn off essays word for word like where's that applicable in the real world you know so i just think it's so pointless but it's a necessary evil so it is like i mean you know uh the thing with exams such as leaving certain the junior cert is people like to resign themselves to the fact you know what this is useless what's the point but you know you're can, you can acknowledge that something's useless but you still have to do it because it's it's another step on the journey to get to where you want to go
0: hmm. well
1: leaving church sure is good because it teaches discipline teaches you oh, how yeah. to you know. like for the discipline alone i think it's still a worthwhile thing to do without a doubt like you have people who believe in dropping out of school and look that works for some people but unless you have a very good valid reason to do so no unless you have a very good valid reason to do so now (laughs) if it's the case you're dropping out for the sake of getting a hundred euro a week from the government which is what a lot of people I would know have done you know I think that's not a really constructive reason to leave school so I don't because you have to remember there's people over in America paying um, th- like tens of thousands of dollars a year to get an education you know in colleges and i know it's not equivalent to going to secondary school in ireland but you know if you just think of how much people value education and you just throw away your chance for free education for nothing you yeah. know for a hundred euro a week mm-hmm. which is you know what it's not even that much money in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. it might seem it might seem like the world when you're 15 or 16 but um when you have to rent a house like when you have to rent a room in dublin it's not that much <laughs> you <No>. know <laughs>
0: moral of the story don't move to dublin yeah <laughs> and actually you want to talk about languages
1: yeah I, yeah i would like to talk so about languages
0: what did you want to talk about did you want to, like how many <coughs> languages do you, do you know personally actually so yourself? i
1: speak english irish like bilingually and then i'd speak ...German and French to a great level. Like, I mean, my German's mad rusty. Like, I haven't spoken German now since I was, like, 14. So you speak uh, English and Irish... ...and French, and a very... Now, if I were to actually study German, I could get back to where I used to be, but mm. I haven't spoken. How did you approach learning languages? Um, so I think there's a really... You know, there's a specific approach to learning languages. So now, even though by my accent you might think i grew up with irish i didn't um so the part of connemara i'm from we don't speak irish at all it's it's like non it's like anywhere else in the country but i would live like i went to school in the gueltoct area so basically that meant that right I was listening to Irish all the time in the hallways and in classes and all of that. But, like, I was an ordinary-level Irish for the first year of secondary school, as were the majority of people who came from my region of Connemara. So, um, the key to learning... Well, Irish, anyway, I find, is sitting down and actually getting the basic vocabulary. I think what the majority of people lack is an understanding of the base vocab that makes up the language. Like I mean the majority of people, you know, they go wild trying to find out all of this really complex terminology for things like oh, I don't know, um music, like um what are what else are the really generic topics they make you learn about um crime, um drugs and alcohol, what else? Like warfare, all of that, right? Hmm. People really skip the boat. They try and learn these massive essays about, you know, the future of chemical warfare in Syria. And, you know, they can't even tell you what their, you know, what breed their dog is and what their dog likes and what kind of house they live in, you know. So I think what's wrong with us in the whole realm of the Irish language is that we've made it far too academic and, you know, it's not practical enough. And that's why young people don't, well... I mean, in where I'm from, anyway, there's a massive hate, like there's a dislike towards it, and um, that's why people don't want to speak it because in school it's become too grammar focused, too academic, too, you know, impractical to their lives. Mm.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because um, I was reading this book and there's this guy who learned four different languages in yeah. a year, like a fluency level, and what he did was um, he didn't he didn't speak English for that whole period of time. So he completely exposed himself into the culture, into the language, and he he was very practical about it. And he didn't he he wasn't afraid of you know making a fool out of himself. He literally just well uh, by my German
1: (laughs) there, and we
0: go on, go on. But yeah, like I think the whole practicality aspect to it is so important because like if you just. If you just learn, like, different vocab or different words and you're not connecting it, I think Mm. you're just going to forget. I think it's very important to... Well, like, all...
1: Well, like, I mean, I'll tell you now, I haven't spoken the Irish language in, like, properly in about eight months. Mm. So, I mean, and I I haven't spoken it at all since I moved to Dublin. And I'm here now, what, nearly 16 weeks. Mm. So, um, and, like, I mean, I struggled with that. Whereas before, I used to be, like... Irish was always on my mind, you know? I, was, I Even sometimes I'd find myself thinking in Irish without realising it. So, um, you know, when you lose exposure to a language like that, you, you lose your ability to speak.
0: You know? No, yeah, 100%. You, like, you my French
1: to... was at a far better level when I was at school versus mm. what it is now. Because, again, I don't find myself in a situation where I need to speak French, mm. you know? Like, I mean... In my previous job, I was a waiter, so I mean, often we'd have people, you know, French monoglots who wouldn't be fit to order their food. Huh. So I'd be like, I mean, I'd be called over, I'd be called over by other members of staff, like, and I used to, you know, I'd have to help in reception do translations sometimes. So, um, you know, having that exposure to language that really helped me. So. That's pretty cool the way I had to do that. Such a practical aspect of learning a language. (laughs) Yeah, and see, this is the thing, right? Now, that being said, in my old school, and now if my old French teacher ever hears this, like, she'll, she'll know I'm hitting the nail on the head. There was more hatred towards French in our school than Irish. Far, far, far more hatred. Like, it was... And I have no idea why there was such enmity towards the French language. I mean... Many, many people dropped it after the junior search. Um, mm. And you know, out of all the exams, it's not, it's fairly flipping easy. You can get a H1 in French much easier than you can get a H1 in geography, let me tell you that. Mm. You know? Yeah,
0: 100%. And I've looked into this, and you also work as a freelance web designer
1: well, or developer. Well, on my LinkedIn, I have that as kind of a placeholder. Like, I mean, I... Well, you
0: obviously have some exposure to uh, web design and Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, no, I've helped kind of look like, I mean, my grandmother with her website and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I have a few side projects as well that I'm building slowly but surely. Now, I mean, the thing with web design is that makes it slightly, you know, more inconvenient in comparison to the likes of, you know, just developing something in Java, is the fact that you have to pay to put something up online. Now, thank God for PHP, my admin, because, you know, it's great for actually seeing stuff in production, you know. So, um, you know, I'd have many much more projects on web development only for the fact you have to pay for hosting and the domain name. Hmm so um web development's definitely an area i want to break into more this year so it is because i mean i'm desperate now to come on a source of like independent income
0: yeah no that's that's a good goal to have yeah and going back to what we spoke earlier um what we spoke um you said that you feel well you put a lot of pressure on yourself i do in in the leaving cert so when you feel overwhelmed or just stress in general um how do you tend to deal
1: with that i don't think about (laughs) it i know (laughs) um well the thing is like i'm a firm believer i mean as you probably know from working with me i talk a lot like i mean i'm all um like, I mean, the main, see, the thing is, I don't really let myself get overwhelmed. I mean, what happens to a lot you of You smash the keyboard, because you just smash the keyboard and work, all right? Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I really flip and... Ta- no, you can tell when I'm stressed or I have a deadline coming up, because of the way I fucking whack the keyboard. Yeah, the keyboard is like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you just know it's you. Yeah, no, every, everybody from around... Like, I can just feel the eyes on me at work when I'm flipping... Get, when I have, like, I need to get something done before 3 o'clock, but, um... <laughs> no essentially i try to i try my best to talk about like if i mean if i am feeling stressed or overwhelmed i do try to talk it out like i mean i'll tell a colleague or i'll tell like i'll wait until i go home and i'll tell my ma shout out ma um but um yeah like that's the thing i mean some people i find you know they like to do mindfulness and they meditate and all of that kind of stuff and now i'm not knocking that but i've now then again like, I could probably benefit from that kind of stuff because, I mean, I am quite, like, I am a very, like, I'm a person who's prone to stress, you know? So, um, but no, I just try to talk it out, you know? I think that's the key to anything as a problem shared as a problem halved. Talk it out. I like it. Talk it out. And what are
0: your, some of favourite books, Uh Do you have any favourite books that you read or just any books that are kind of helped Now, you?
1: this is very bad. I, like, I've told you this before, but I barely read. Like, I mean, the thing is, I always find I don't have time. Well, you read Wikipedia. Like, I, I read... But reading. see, this is the thing, right? I find it very easy to digest content digitally. But, um, like I me, mean, I have a John Grisham book now at mm. home, right? Just a, you know, piece of a... Pop, a pop novel, right? And, like, it's staring at me on the desk. And, I mean, I've read his books before and I love them. But, do you know... It's awfully hard to disconnect and sit down and read a book, you know? I don't know, I think there's, like, there's almost an attachment to your phone. It's almost like an internal organ, you know? And once you feel that you've put it down for too long, you almost feel out of control, you know? So, um, that's the reason why I don't read too many books. I mean, I probably should start, you know? But, I don't know, I just always find it far easier to read stuff on different websites.
0: Hmm cool
1: and if you could have dinner with anyone at all so alive or dead okay. who would that person be oh i'll need a second now to th- i i had a fee i was listening to one of your podcasts there the last i had a feeling that the question was coming up oh geez so i need time to think about that um
0: well whatever <laughs> comes to mind initially
1: oh that's so you know what I'd love to have dinner with Barack Obama, so I would, because I think he has such an inspirational life story, because at the end of the day, I mean, he was the first black president of the United States, he came up against, like, you know, there's, like, massive prejudice, massive, you know, like, it was a very hard flipping thing for him to break into and to win you know, the election of the United States. And, you know, he's a, an extremely educated, well-spoken, and um, like, charismatic person. I just love, you know, to understand better how, you know, what produced that person. So, yeah, I'd say Barack Obama, yeah, I find him very inspirational. Now, I'd say that's probably a very cliche answer to give, but there you are. Hmm, that's Because I think, you know, Like, in terms of the political landscape, I think Barack Obama made so many just monumental changes, like, socially and economically in the United States. Like, he brought the country through, you know, a time of global economic hardship, and America now is on the up, well, economically, we won't talk about it socially or politically, yeah obama's definitely a cool dude to have dinner with i would yeah. love that myself <laughs> yeah no definitely like i mean i just think he's a real cool dude and i'd love to just i'd love to get and he's so casual this. like he just he's walks so around casual. in slippers you know, you know like he's just I think one such the, a chill out. you know what he's very effortless yeah yeah like yeah. i mean you know when you hear him giving a speech even though it's very passionate and it's very you know it's a strong like you can tell what a strong-willed character he is um you know, it co- it's still just, it's so natural and sincere and genuine seeming. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I find it very captivating when he speaks. So,
0: mm. yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And Joe, where do you see
1: yourself going in five years? This is the big question. Where are you going in five years? I see myself on a beach in Thailand with millions and millions of euro in my bank account. Not worrying the world. I know, I'm joking. Dringing, drinking cocktails. Dring- exactly. You get <laughs> it on the head. Um, no, in five years, that's a hard question, probably I'll still be in education, I'll probably be doing some kind of post-grad, or I'll be travelling, or something like that, or probably in some entry-level job in some software company, you know, I mean, I w- you know, the one thing working this summer has taught me is I really would like to give starting my own business a shot, so I would, because I just find that even though I enjoy you know work, you know, the security of having your paycheck in your bank account at the end of every month and all of that. Like, I mean, I am someone who strives for independence, so you know, I think I need to explore that option as well of starting my own business and seeing if I can make it that way. Would it be a tech startup, or what are you thinking? Uh, definitely tech. I mean, tech is what I do best, you know.
0: Like, right, look out for Joe, the next fa- the next founder of a. Uh... Social media platform.
1: <laughs> oh, for sake! It'll be another uh, Cambridge be Analytical a... <laughs> situation. So well, <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah. What
0: are yeah. we gonna say?
1: No, no, no. Oh,
0: and I think it's a good time to wrap up the podcast. So before we actually finish up, is there anything out there that you'd like to say to the listeners? Not in particular, no, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the that's the huge response. But. So,
1: look, thank you very much. Enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, Joe. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for coming on. on. No bother. Yeah, any time. It was a very interesting conversation. Well, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd be pretty cool if you shared it with your friends or anyone else who you think would benefit from it. You can find all the show notes by going to the website chasingpassion.e That is chasingpassion.e Thank you for listening today, and I hope you enjoyed the episode.